Hello and welcome back to The Game Pit. This is episode 193. I'm Sean and here's Ronan. Hello everyone, you're very welcome back. It's, uh, as you've probably seen from the title, a countdown one. We're continuing our top 100 New Year, same countdown. That doesn't make it sound like it's going on too long, Sean. <laughs> we have been prolonging the process a little bit. We have got a few digs on Twitter and here and there. So, yes, we are we are cracking along now. We're not really. Pace. We're not. Even if we did it to schedule, <laughs> we wouldn't be done before August. So it's completely, you're telling people lies. <laughs> By our standards, we are practically sprinting. <laughs> well, no one wants to see you or I sprinting down the road. <laughs> so, we're going to be doing... Actually, you're a lot faster than I am, which is not saying much. I'm the slowest man in the world. <laughs> Games 50 to 41 and our top 100 of all time coming up very shortly. Sean, before we delve in, any other business quickly for us to deal with? Oh, Ronan, so what I have finally got the mists over Carcassonne to the table. Uh, and I knew that was something that I was looking forward to and I talked about previously and didn't feel, I didn't get the love. I didn't feel the love, Ronan. I liked it okay, but from you and Matthew's praise and hyping it up, I was expecting wonders and I didn't get wonders. So that's victim blaming because uh, firstly you've disappointed me and secondly you're telling me it's my fault. So maybe I think you're being a bit toxic here and you need to go and rethink yourself. Okay, I want some more positive aspects, please. What did you like about that wonderful game? Okay, that was a short list, Sean, a very short list. <laughs> it was um, Cooperative Carcassonne. Like, I didn't see any magic. We got to level three out of the six and... There was slight changes. Bringing in, obviously, the cemeteries and the castles was a big change. The, then the dogs coming in on, on level three was a, a kind of made it easier, we felt, because the dogs give you some nice, really handy rewards. So we didn't really just feel that... I don't know. I can't... <laughs> it's not great podcasting, I know, but I just didn't think it was as amazing as it sounded from everybody else's mouth. I'm going to play this on a loop and take modern and call it A Man Struggles With Himself. <laughs> I can't tell you what video I'm going to use to go alongside it as a man struggling with himself. But yeah, that's that's what I've been playing. I've also uh, been playing Atiwa. I had a quick game of that, but it's far too early to be delving into. Ah, we'll get, we're going to get to your plays in another episode. I really are wanting to drag that yeah. carcass on struggling out of you. <laughs> Just on the recording. <laughs> I will tell you, I haven't told you this. Remember I was beaking on a shilling for Lucky Duck last episode for Once Upon a Line. I've played the, tu- yeah, I played the tutorial. Oh, right. How did that go? It's very gentle. <laughs> okay. It's, and it's just a tutorial, so obviously you're not going to see everything, but it's a very, like, kind of doing a crossword together sort of thing where there is a bit of a story and again it's not it's a very limited story in the the prologue i can't see they're going to cover much ground within the scope of what they're doing although the prologue scratch off card is really really small compared to sort of a proper full chapter in the game and i feel like your actions are very limited you are looking at a word and then there are a couple of other words and you you have hints that this one will dissect this word or it won't and you say all right with if that word dissects this word there's only two places it can possibly be it's either gonna be above or it's gonna be below 
And then you're kind of mm. guessing and saying, well, let's try it above there. And you go, oh, no, that one says stop there. Okay, so let's try below there. Oh, yeah, it looks like it's going there. Okay, great. And you get it, and then you read it, and you get another card, and you read it, and you go, okay, now we're looking for a couple more words. And there's the odd riddle thrown in. And it is definitely different to play in mm-hmm. most other games. It's kind of got this adventuring story thing linked into a word game with riddles and you're scratching off and it's all very novel i think if you're looking to play it within a sort of a very relaxing glass of wine glass of orange juice whatever you're you do to relax uh uh, chill out and and maybe like on a holiday or something i can see it fitting Mm -hmm. in I think if you read it and you read the setting and you read the hype, you'd be like, oh, this adventure game that you're digging into, get into this story. Not so much. It's a very cool and gentle experience. We enjoyed it. We've got the tutorial. No, that was a tutorial. We've got the prologue to do as well. And plus, we've got all the scratch-offs for a load of chapters, but we haven't got the cards to actually play it. So I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, so we could, we're talking about doing it. If we feel like it one night, we'll pull it out if we're just relaxing. But we had a chance tonight and she pulled out Race for the Galaxy and destroyed me twice instead. Well, bless her. That's, <laughs> why, why not if you can? And yeah, it's good to know that they've sort of pulled it off. That was my one worry that it would just be crazy. It'd be just like, what the hell's going on here? That this hasn't worked at all. But from what you're saying, it does work. It's just maybe not what you thought you were getting into i kind of thought that's what i'd get into when i saw it but i think it's so odd that until you read the rule book and if i even read the rule book makes it seem much more complicated than it really is because things Ooh. can happen and you can upgrade and you can get these symbols but it all happens at a very reduced pace you're not going quickly through a story you're going very slowly through a story and makers and you know it might take you two or three actions just to uncover one word and it's all a very sort of easy pace of life well it's definitely funded well we saw that it funded within the first couple of minutes it's not blowing away all records but it's doing very well so um we'll I'll look forward to seeing that coming out in the in the course of time lovely uh anything else no anything from you no i think we should crack on okay lovely what's your number 50 ronan my number top 50 there should be some sort of dun, dun, you dun, dun, we go dun, dun, the top 70 now we're into the top 62 now, but 50? You didn't know we were into the top 50. Come on. Top 50. Roll. I like it. Thank you. Richard Nixon, Sean. Right. I think we're going down Watergate, are we? Second time Richard Nixon has appeared in our top 100s. First time he's appeared in Watergate. Two players playing cards against each other. When you think about it and you squint, and you come at an angle, and you're in low lighting. Kind of like a mini version of your 1960 Making the President that was in your 80s. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Have you played Watergate? I've never played it. I have heard it likened to a very, very, very watered-down Twilight struggle. Oh, well, you know, you see, the thing is in Twilight Struggle is it's rubbish. But Watergate <laughs> is really good. So that will be the main difference between those two games. Uh, it's got the cards... There's set decks for each side. One you use the journalist trying to bring down Richard Nixon. The other one is Richard Nixon trying to either sort of blow the journalists away so they can't connect to anything or to 
spawn the game out for long enough that you survive long enough and win. It is cutthroat. It will cause you to swear at your nearest and dearest, but in a very lovely way. It takes about half an hour to play. You'll be thinking. You'll be vying. You'll be hitting angles. You'll be trying to time exactly when to make those big card moves and when not to. Where little red and white dobbers are along a track will become very, very important to you. And you will be like, hey, watch your flip that one. What am I going to do now? And you'll feel cornered at certain times as Nixon. And you'll feel like you can't possibly put together the evidence as journalists. And it brings through a feel within a very small play space and time. It's brilliant. Watergate, my number 50 of all time. Cool. Yeah, I, uh, I, I do need to get a player that in. So, I'm just looking... My next five are all games that you either hate or have uh, objections to in one way or another. Well, we'll see. And the first one is one that you refuse to play. It's Everdell, from, uh, signed by James A. Wilson and Starling Games. I just find it, it's not just the artwork. The artwork is obviously beautiful and it sets the settings. There's such a variety of cards and you're putting this tableau together where everything chains off things. We talked about it before and that's the kind of game that I like. And lots of resources to, to collect and manipulate and push various ways. And I just absolutely adore Everdell. There's loads of expansions. I've got the big massive box that you could almost live in. And yeah, I absolutely love Everdell. Obviously, it's in my top 50. Ronan has some objections due to the publisher. Uh, and they're, they're fairly, <laughs> I give him that. They do hold water. Yeah, but like I am kind of a hypocrite. Like I don't know everything they publish. They change their name so much. It's not like I've gone <laughs> round and followed who they are. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. This one is just so obvious. It's published under Starling Games, and they acted so badly as Starling Games that it's like I just don't want to buy it. Look, I'd, I'd play it. I've got no objection to playing it. I'm not convinced anyone's ever persuaded me that it stands up to the weight of all the expansions or needs to be in that huge box. But other than that, I've got no objections to the game itself. People say it's good. I'm sure it's good. I'm just never going to buy it. Fair enough. My 49 is going to be heralded with, I'm going to say, ululations uh, of approval from you, Sean. Ululations. Yeah, that's what word. I'm hoping for. So <laughs> you got about seven seconds to prepare for this. Are you ready? Okay. But it's one of your favourites of all time. It's a city builder with a kind of a... a price track i was trying to think of an elegant way of talking about it and hexes and the hexes all build off each other and it's called suburbia how dare you have it this low how dare you i thought i was gonna get you lations for having it in my top this is my top 50 <laughs> this is right. a top 20 game maybe i can't remember i'll self eulalate <laughs> 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 it's difficult to do this sort of a game well because getting the scale right is difficult you can either get really granular and then you're micromanaging your city and it grinds to a halt and it takes too long or you can go too macro and it doesn't actually feel like yours it feels like sort of very general and unthematic and you're not really linked into what you're doing in suburbia possibly the genius is that you're just building a suburb so you can specialise you don't have to have everything completely balanced you can just be this is the commercial suburb that I'm building with a bit of this and a bit of that I'm sticking a stadium in and building houses around it so people come to the stadium you know and then it still thematically works I'm not trying to make a whole functioning city and that might be what's so clever about it 
One fantastic expansion, one less fantastic expansion, but overall a brilliant toll laying suburb of a city building game. We'll still call it a city builder. It's suburbia. Sean will talk about it in another episode, but that will be in around June or July. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I will be talking about it later. But yeah, absolutely. It's the way that everything interacts off each other. It is thematic. And you do have that little city that's your little, your little suburb of the city yeah, at the end of it, which is always cool. My number 49, uh, we've talked about it so much over the last couple of years. It's Ark Nova, Matthias Viga, and coming from Fjell and Spieler. It shouldn't be in the top 5, 10 on BGG. It's not that good, but I do, obviously, it's a top 50 game for me. I have a lot of fun with this. There's just so much variety to the animals. Yes, that's one of the points that probably holds it back at times because there are so much animals and so many animals even, that sometimes you can't get the sets that you need and you're sitting there waiting for a reptile to come up and they just won't come. And you kind of are at the mercy of the cards, but I just have so much fun putting this together. It's another thing like Suburbia where you have your own creation on the table at the end of the game. And I love zoos, I love animals. Uh, Ronan bought me a feeding the chimps thing at the zoo for Christmas. So I'll be looking forward to that. So what's not to like? Ronan, what is not to like? Well, there's plenty to like. It's a very good piece of plagiarism from four or five other games. I don't know. Games borrow off each other. That's not a problem. Uh, the best bits are lifted directly from other games, and they're not put together very elegantly. And while the good bits within it shine, as an overall package, it's clunky. And that's why I enjoy it, and I'll play it, but it isn't a top game. The potential is there to have an amazing game and have loads, loads of fun. And it excites me. And I'm like, oh, I can go do this. I can go do that. I can make this plan. And then it's entirely down to the game whether that actually happens or not. And not down to me. And in a game this long, that's not good enough. The thing that looks at that one more spot for me, I think, that other people haven't got. And this is the personal thing, is that I don't like the map play. It's it's needlessly restricted to me, and it's a fiddle that is just... I don't really need that fiddle on top of it. But, the, you know, building a petting zoo and then never getting a petting zoo animal or setting up to do bird conservation and then never getting any bird cars and stuff, I just find that frustration happens too often. So it's a game of potential for me that has taken some great parts of other games that are still great because they are great, but hasn't worked them together and it's less than the sum of its parts while still being a good game. I don't hate Ark Nova, I like it, I'll play it. I just don't love it. I think we agree, but it's the scale of what irritates us. So where that really irritates you and ruins it for you to some degree, it doesn't for me. I'm I'm happy for that to happen and just to, to have the game happen. So yeah, each to their own. You're number 48, Ronan. That is a very salient point you've made because I can't remember your opinion or even if you've played my number 48. But I know that you always say it might be too tight for you, so you might not like it. It's the sequel to Pillars of the Earth. It's World Without End. I have played it yet. And? I really like it. I like it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not as good as Pillars for me. It's a top 200 game for sure. It's not. It's number 48 in the world. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, I got that wrong. 
the world's Sorry. foremost board gaming expert has just told you. I should be. Uh, While That End is a programming game in which you've got a set of action cards and on every turn, and there are limited turns throughout the whole game, goes through three or four eras, I can't remember now, but it's, it goes through certain eras and you have to do certain things at the end of each time. So you must pay food, you must have a certain amount of money for the tax and whatever it might be in piety. And every time you take an action, you throw one of your action cards away. And it's the double choice that you're making because everything's limited so sometimes you might be holding on plans to do something and then suddenly you realize oh the corn's running short oh no i didn't grab any so i might not get any for the next time that what i was planning to do was get that corn from a bonus later on but it might not be there so i might need to do the get corn action which means i have to throw one of the other actions that was in my chain that i'm programming to make it all work together so at the end of this round not only can i pay the fines that i have to pay and pay my tax and feed my people but i still am progressing somewhere i have enough building materials for the building projects or whatever it may be that i'm paying to score points on so it's a constant fight to just eke out progress and the game is constantly punching in the face there are event cards that come up that means every game is different so it is a tight competitive euro played within a small space in which you're constantly dodging and ducking and diving it's a game of euro dodgeball sean that's just come to me it's sterile and i like the taste well that (laughs) end i'm i'm sitting here thinking i wonder if I would like this a lot more now, because my gaming tastes have changed somewhat in that scarcity is now something that appeals to me in games and trying to eke out everything and trying to really struggle to, I don't know whether it's Agricola where you're feeding your people and really struggling to do that. I like the brain burn of that now, whereas before I liked just plentiful and abundance of stuff so that I could just score as many points as I could. So I wonder if I, I tried this now, I'd like it a lot more. So you have just put World Without End back on my radar. It should be on everyone's radar, everyone's medieval <laughs> radar. You said eek there, that's interesting, because this is a high eeky, which means I should like it. There is definitely an eek rating of uh, at least 70 to 80. But you have to look on the faff rating as well for this one. And the faff rating is very low. All right. Those are very simple actions you're taking. So therefore, I'm deciding what I do very immediately. And tactically, I can respond immediately to a changing game situation rather than go, oh, but I've just spent seven actions setting up one thing and now it's no use to me. Oh, which is what I do in cleverer games than this because I'm stupid. Sean, you're number 48. (laughs) My number 48 is probably a game that did that to your own and it's blood rage from eric m lang and simon or cool mini or not or come on or whatever they call themselves now. you do this every time decide what the name of that freaking company is <laughs> if they will i will you did right. you, you decide just do it until right well, i decided i'm right i've decided it they're called sherry okay Published right. by Sherry. You shall publish by Sherry. Of course you Sherry, are. Sherry, Sherry, baby. Uh, that's not the last singing you're going to hear in this episode, by the way. Oh. You didn't eulate. I'm not interested. <laughs> Blood Rage. It is a dudes on the map with a slight twist. I love the drafting of of your troops uh, and the monsters and being able to use the various monsters around the board. The battles are interesting. They never formulate because there's always the chance of someone turning the tide with with a cheeky little card. It's knowing those cards are in the game that makes this game brilliant. If you don't know, 
then absolutely the Loki cards can completely hose you, but it's the knowledge is power in Blood Rage, and I absolutely adore it. Don't get it to the table as often as I'd like, but it's still a wonderful game. Number 48, Blood Rage. Joe, what's odd about this game? What's odd about it? People usually miss out like the subtitle you know like we'll, we'll use the subtitle in a lot of games right but yeah, in this one and the weird thing about subtitles is it goes in between the two words of the title as well which is strange and uh, the subtitle is it makes me <laughs> blood it makes me rage this is oh. probably the most angry i've ever seen you at a game this dude's on a map game about winning fights this this dude dude's a map game about winning fights yeah this one about winning the fights on the dudes that are controlling the areas where I set myself up to win every single fight in the last round and control the most areas and come last. You, you didn't. You didn't understand the deck. You didn't understand the the possibilities. You fell into traps. Start playing a two-hour euro and then pulling a card as the last thing in the game and going least points wins. Ha <laughs> ha. Rubbish. Actual rubbish. I can't think of a worse game you've put on this list. Blood Rage is terrible. It's Number 47. Number 47. An actually good game. Stood the test of time. Power Grid. Sean, it's fantastic. I think you hate it. But it I is... don't hate it. No, no, I really like it. Do you? I ha- yeah, when I first played it, it was like really early in, in when I got sort of back into games and it completely did my mind. I just, I didn't know whether I was coming or going. And it took me a long time, but once I understood the game, I, I now love it. I own it. I own the deluxe version. I think it's brilliant. Oh, of course you own the deluxe version. <laughs> of course I, I do. Come on. Come on. I mean, Everdell's no good in that normal size box where you did plenty of gameplay in there. Forget that. What did you want that for? You clown. Get the Everdell caravan. Power Grid, deluxe or old style, as I have. Whatever. It's all good. It's amazing. It has a innovative auction system. It's about supply and demand. It's about limited resources. It's about manipulate internal order. It's almost too much about manipulate internal order because certain, well, I think only one phase happens in turn order. The others happen in reverse turn order and being clever about that. And, and lurking back a little bit before leaping is part of the game, but then not leaping too late is also part of the game. And when you play with people who know the game very well, there's a whole timing thing going on that will just mess your brain up. You'll just be like, I just, what the hell? I was first, I was first, and now I'm last. Have that happen, and now the game's over, and I'm last. So a lot going on, and again, within a shared space where you're looking at what everyone else is doing, what they do affects you, what plants they take, meaning that's the fuel they're going to buy, meaning that fuel will be more expensive if I'm behind them in turn order. All goes on, knowing some of the later on power plants helps, knowing to deep into some of the, the cheaper areas, the cheaper connections, and just keeping a few quid so you, you're ready to go when it's time to go. There are ways of learning the game. Definitely, if you're playing someone who's played five or ten times in your first game, you're not going to win it. It's one of those. But having a game of Power Grid where everyone's played it a few times and everyone can see the effect on the market and everyone knows if I buy these two barrels of oil, then uh, that really means that you can't actually do the thing you wanted to do. So uh, oh, there you go. And that's all within a shared space. It takes less than two hours. It's stood the test of time for a reason. It's absolutely brilliant. It is the dullest theming you could ever, ever expect. And every time someone explains it, I think there's no way a new gamer is ever going to play Power Grid. But you should, because it is Euro brilliance. It is your ability, it really is. It was in consideration, definitely for my top 100. Didn't quite make it, but uh, it was one of the games that just missed out. So my number 47 is 
Great Western Trail, Eggertspiel, designed by Alexander Pfister. There's a lot going on there. There's the set collection aspect of the game, and you're sort of building up your tableau of cards, the cow cards to sell at market. It's the track that you're following. Which way do you go? What things do you trigger to to get the most out of when you do a reach to sell your cows? How far do you push the train marker along? Do you pull into the station? So much to think about and different workers do different things i've talked about it recently and it's one that continues to stay in my rotation don't think you love it as much as me i don't think you even love it ronan um but it's definitely one of my favorites great western trail i reckon you've done this deliberately <laughs> I reckon you've chosen a bunch of re- really popular <laughs> games that you know that I'm going to say they're not that great. So that anyone listening to this goes, that Ronan's an idiot. Because you think, you know, top 50 people might start listening at this stage. They can be like, Ronan's got no taste. Four good games, he doesn't like any of them. I did look at this top five and go, no. He's just going to moan about every one of them. <laughs> I, well, I haven't that badly. But Great Western Trail is a good game. I loved it. I love it. I, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. When I first played it, after a few plays, I was done with it because it felt very samey to me. And maybe that's a lack of my imagination or something. But uh, people tell me I'm wrong, but it felt very samey. And then the expansion came out, played with the expansion, that refreshed it for a couple of plays. And then I was done because I'm just like, I'm just doing the same thing. And the fact that the game itself is repetitive, I think added to the feeling that games individually become repetitive i'm just doing the same thing to me it's a very small space to play in and what's on the trail is never becomes that important and again maybe you're like ask you an idiot you're playing it wrong whatever maybe but it felt like i was uh, a a cow hand stuck in a rut with dreams of becoming a musician but i didn't know how to get off the trail short on this stuff know what i mean i've always thought of you as a cow hand Thanks for that. That wasn't what I meant when I said that was the last music. <laughs> you, you said it was the singing episode. It's like, well, yeah, right, okay, it's the singing episode, fine. <laughs> Ronan, Ronan, I don't Ronan. think... Keep those doggies Ronan. You're an idiot. <laughs> I don't think you're completely wrong. I do think I have to space out my plays of it because it can get a little bit similar. There's not that many ways to eke out a victory in the game. But if I if I play this every sort of three, four months, I always have a good experience playing it. If I was to play it every two or three weeks, I think I would get to the point where you are. So you're not completely wrong on this one. I mean, I it didn't take that many plays. That's what it, like. It was like five plays and I was done and then a couple more. Oh, no, it's, like, it's taken more for me, but I, I yeah, see where so. you're going. Fair enough. Uh, you're not going to see where I'm going on my number 46, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I might not even make it, Sean, because it's a very dangerous vacuum of space out there. And when I'm throwing together this spaceship out of bits of junk against the clock <laughs> and I've got to go on my missions, things can go wrong. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I'll... Mr. Trucker. Galaxy Trucker is fantabulous. This is one game I can say, I did buy the big box for with all the expansions, Sean. I joined you. What? <laughs> <laughs> and it won't fit on my Calax. It's a pain in the bum. It's got to sit on top. I've got it. I kind of wish I, I thought about buying the second edition just so I could get rid of that huge box. Galaxy Trucker is 
a game split into two halves where, well, over each mission is split into two halves, where you're real-time drafting from a middle to put together on a template some sort of a spaceship with engines at the back and hopefully lasers at the front and some other bits and bobs. As you go through the game, the templates get bigger so you can put more stuff within your ships and then you're going on a journey and you're going to face dangers and the further into the game you are the more dangerous the dangers are that you're going to face but the rewards are bigger and you're going to try and pick up cargo and trying to keep people alive and when you get into higher levels then there's going to be people boarding your ship and you can have internal defenses and you have different types of aliens that boost you in the base game just simply on your engines and on your lasers but as you go on they boost other things and it's definitely has got a lot of expansions. If you know anyone who can play all the expansions with you, then you're in for an absolute gaming masterpiece. But whatever level you play it at, it's so flexible and funny and unexpected and just a great, great laugh. It shouldn't work as well as it does. It's real time and then you sit there and the game punches you in the face. But it does work. It's brilliant. Galaxy Striker 46. It's one that I used to hate, but I don't anymore. I don't love it, but I tolerate it now. My son loves it, so I kind of see it through his eyes a little bit, and we enjoy it for what it is. I wouldn't choose to play it, but I'm happy to play with somebody. It's one of those, so yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's like the ninth game on my list of five games so far, you said. I used to hate it, and now I don't mind it so much. It's almost like you're very, very slowly getting good tasting games. <laughs> so if I make it to 140, I might actually be all right. I might actually be there with you. You're not going to. I've seen you. You're not going to. Fair enough. Right. <laughs> the last one. Well, I've, I could take my flak jacket off after this one. This is a fairly new game. Dwellings of Elverdale. Luke, Laurie and... You Brian nearly King got that right. Games. Elder Vale. No. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is, yeah. You said Elder Dale, it's all right. Did I? I always do that. It's, it's I'll edit it and make it sound worse anyway. Dwellings <laughs> of Mermaids. <laughs> Dwellings of Elder Vale is a game where you think going into it it's going to be one thing, but you quickly realise it's not. It looks like it's going to be a very deep, involved fantasy epic where you're moving armies across a map that's ever changing and to a very small part it is like that but it's very quick very tactical the game really finishes a lot quicker than you're expecting it to you have to set traps it's it's area control on the tiles a lot of the time set traps to get to the tiles you want to collect the resources you want to build the things you want and to push up on the on the various tracks and it's kind of like a yeah a quick tactical battle with resources thrown in i liked it at first but it took me a while to really love it but now I'm firmly on board. I know what I'm getting. And Dwellings of Elder Vale is firmly ensconced in my top 50. Number 46. Dwellings of Emmerdale. Dwellings of Emmerdale. Yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Seth. Ah, Seth. <laughs> hey, up. Yeah. <laughs> Going topping sheep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> easily, right. It's, it's, a, it's a sheep in wolf's clothing. And got some unnecessary stuff going on we like it's, it's massive box and your stupid things where the monsters roar and stuff like that the best thing ever involved in any game ever <laughs> <laughs> um 
It's another game that's it's okay. I'll, I'll happily play Dwellings of Emmerdale. It's not a problem for me. It's, it's, it's a decent game. It was just overwrought and overhyped. And there's an awful lot going on that I never seem to quite think that we're ever going to get to actually doing. Because the game, the map play is going to finish the game before we develop the sort of the quest play fully. So it's a game of sort of unfulfilled potential for me. And it's decent. It just wasn't worth all the hype. That's all. Is this the music episode? I'm desperately trying to remember the Emmerdale Farm theme. All right, lad. Right. Speaking of TV shows, Sean, if I say to you that my number 45 is the most fun and funny you can ever have combining Emmerdale with a game, what's it going to be? Combining Emmerdale with a game. Emmerdale, Godfather, Waiting for Godot, Silver Black. That's me. right. Time's up. <laughs> I've never played it. I don't know what you're talking about. Get out. How I've have you never, never played, played it? it? I don't know. You dirty one. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I'm a wrong one, I know. Time's up. I put title recall here, just mostly because it's the one I've played most and I find it works best. Although the people one does also work well. It's a game in which you split into teams. I find it works best with three teams. And then you have one person who is going to be the clue giver and the rest of the teams have to guess what clue they're trying to give. And there are three mediums in which you give. And the first time you can say anything apart from what's on the card. And the second one you can say one word. And in the third round, you're using the same card answers. You can't say anything. You just have to act it out. And the game creates its own language and its own jokes and its own mimes. And it's own one famous one, Sean, was we were playing the people one with the people from school away at a cottage. And... uh Dracula was there and it was like fangs and it was big, big teeth someone did the act out and then Scylla Black was in it as well and obviously he got to the mind round some of big teeth and it didn't know it was Dracula or Scylla Black I mean maybe he had to be there and was drunk as much as we had that weirdly weekend, I he... saw I was watching a programme where Scylla Black made an appearance last night really? I did I did oh you're at chalk and a hat <laughs> that wasn't very good <laughs> Laura Laura surprises surprise surprise <laughs> The unexpected hits you between the eyes. <laughs> that was uncanny. There you go. Oh, who's um, in chair two? A big bald man singing <laughs> to the black. Get him out, he stinks. Okay, Blind Date. Time's Up Tight Recall is more fun than watching Blind Date, Sean. <laughs> dead and, dead and, sorry, I thought we were doing theme tunes. What's your 45? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, never never played it, but I've heard wonderful things about it, and I would love to play it. So uh, if this chance should arise, I would like to. So there's a call out to everyone. Good, good. Carry on. Lovely. lovely. Right. My number 45, Dwellings of Elder Vale, I have to say that really slow, was a kind of a dudes on the map. This really is a dudes on the map. This is Laws of Hellas from Awakened Realms and Adam Kupinski, but it's a dudes on the map with other stuff going on. You go hunting monsters. You go doing legendary quests. And one of the best things, and I say this so many times, but I can't think of a better way to describe this as having a massive toy factor, because you build massive monuments, huge statues that tower over everything else. 
And that's a big part of the game and winning the game is to build those monuments. I'm absolutely terrible at this game. I get completely distracted with everything else going on and I always lose the area control bit. But I absolutely adore it. I think it's a fantastic game. I've never, I've still not played Kemet. And this is the reason because every time someone goes, oh, you should play Kemet if you like that. I always go, but I'll just play this. So Lords of Hellas, my number 45. Yeah, I've only played it once, so I can't give a informed opinion on it, but that hasn't stopped me before. I liked it. I think it had loads of potential. I'm very happy to play it again and get, dig into it further. Uh, I did a sneaky sneaky on you, for which I'm very, very proud of myself. <laughs> and Adam Kopinski, see, I'll, I'll roll that in for you. Uh, did your Frostpunk arrive? It literally arrived today. <laughs> I'm yeah. sitting staring at it now. I've had it out. 44-page rule book, by the way. Nice, nice. Quite big, big spaces, but 44 pages, and we're hoping to play it this week. That <gasps> looks like it might be really tough to win, but I'm very, very excited to play it. If there's anything like the computer game, it will be very tough. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be. But I th- it, it's certainly there's plenty going on, and you have to get used to how it all interlocks. But Adam Kropinski, man, he is definitely someone to watch. After Terracotta Army this year, what I've read of Frostpunk, or the Hellas... Uh, Nemesis, which you love more than I, but I still think it was, you know, you can see it. He, he does interesting stuff. That is definitely a name that, that we're going to be following for a long, long time, hopefully, if he continues designing games. But yeah, sure, Lords of Hellas, there's, there's a newer one coming out as well, isn't there? Lords of Ragnarok? Ragnarok, yeah, Lords of Ragnarok. So even even more up my alley. So if it You're going to have so many Ragnarok minis. <laughs> well, that's if Mythic Games actually supplies it, but we'll talk about them another time. It's not, I'll start crying. Yeah, okay, me good. too. i started with a two-player game and this is another one it is a two-player version of a fabulous group game and i am possibly the most obsessed person with it around me poor long-suffering rachel is forced to play it again and again and again she doesn't mind it she doesn't love it much as i do it's code names duet took code names and they made it work two-player which to me was a fantastic of design and adaptation you get a shared set of cards you get a two-sided clue thing which tells you which ones the other player needs to guess which ones they need to avoid they can see the ones you need to guess and what you need to avoid and the clever thing is that you need to guess one of the ones that is an assassin on your side of the cards and then one is neutral and one of them will kill you so anytime you're guessing one of the assassin words that you can see, you know that one of them might kill you, but one of them you have to get. And then some of the clues are shared. So if the other person gets them, you don't have to get them. And once you get here around that, which is pretty cool the way it works, because you do have to keep track of, oh, they've got that and that and this one and that one's that. So then, because you can see sort of the proportions of what matches together. Once you get around that, you then have this world map to go around and you do it with either fewer mistakes or fewer turns and you set yourself an increasing challenge we have got nowhere. We've cleared like the five easiest cities in like 40 games. <laughs> We're not doing very well. But I love the challenge of it. I love that you can see and you've kind of got more of an idea what's going on. And it's got this pattern thing in there, which adds on to the layoff, still doing the cluing and the guessing and the rashing out your turns and the being very, very, we can't make a mistake here. Can't make a mistake. Be very, very careful. Blah, blah, blah. So um, yeah, Codenames Duet. It was a fantastic, brilliant job they did to make Codenames a two-player game. Love it. My number 44. Yeah, I like Codenames and Codenames do it a lot. I've called on it a little bit. I think So Clover has taken the mantle as, a, as the, our go-to word game at the moment. But yeah, Codenames is always a very good experience. 
So my number 44, Ronan, anachrony. I don't think you've actually managed to get into the table yet, but it's certainly a big favourite in this household. Well, Natalie, it might actually be her favourite game, I think, from thinking back. From Mind Clash Games, designed by Victor Peter and Richard Aman. And I think David Terzi did the solo version for it or something. But I, I, saw, I think I saw his name in the book. But anyway, anachrony... Might be the only game that I've ever seen do time t- travel really cleverly. It's a worker placement game. Again, I'm sorry, Toy Facto, if you've got the special edition where you send your big mechs into the worker placement spaces, but you have to power them up with certain types of other worker. So, like a scientist has to go somewhere to do stuff and you get better stuff, etc. And you are working with yourself in the future to a certain degree and you're borrowing stuff but it has to be paid back otherwise yourself in the future is going to be without it it's very clever really good worker placement game with the a lot of other adornments around it and we absolutely love it that's my number 44 anachrony it is a glaring omission of mine. You did buy it for me quite a while ago. I do feel very, very <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you know, too many games, not enough time. But it's definitely in the list to work up, to get played. Everybody tells me I like it. It's certainly highly praised. I, I don't know. It's just one of those omissions I haven't played yet. I'm sorry, mate. No problem. I think I've got that uh, Cthulhu game that I keep promising myself that you bought me. That I'm going to get to the table and everyone tells me that's great. So it's not like we don't do it to each other. <laughs> We don't treat each other well enough. Mate. We don't, we don't. <laughs> I, I love you, mate. Okay. Number 43 was a release from Ukraine that slowly built Buzz and then got printed when it made it big in a version that put in a load of unnecessary rules and sort of ruined it. So just play by the original Mysterium rules. And if you play by those rules, you'll have the 43rd best game ever made of all time. You'll get Dixit with a bit more put on top where you're chatting to each other, someone gets the fun of being the ghost, and it actually is fun to be the ghost and try and think of the best clue. Although you do have to have an absolute poker face, stony face, do not give anything away, it ruins the game. And then everyone else gets to chat with each other and guess and point out, well, if yours is that, then mine can't be that. Then maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And it's it's that idea of having the pictorial way of giving information and making you think in different ways, communicate in different ways, and chat to each other. And they'll be able to chat afterwards and go, why did you give that clue? Why did you do that clue? In fairness, slightly too often, it's because I had nothing else. But usually you should find some way to go, well, actually, what I was thinking was, if you look at all the other pictures, this is the only one that's got the da that I gave out this round and whatever it might be. And hopefully by looking around the table, it, it creates those conversations and just a good, fun time where everyone's talking to each other and trying to achieve something together. And it, it makes me feel nice, Sean, playing Mysterium. It just makes me feel nice. Oh, like heroin. You. <laughs> you had to go and ruin it, didn't you? Mysterium is one I liked and I think I would like a lot more, but I didn't love. And I so sorry. That, that makes no sense. I think I would like a lot more in different company. And that's not to diss the company I was in. Oh. The fact was... Who'd you play it with? Spill the beans. Spill the no, beans. No, I was play, we were playing with friends that came up and they were too good. Oh, they ruined it. Oh, I they see. They ruined it by oh, being right. amazing. Like They were like, yeah, that's that yeah. one, that's that one, that's that one, that's that one. And it was literally over in about like 20 minutes. Like, oh, yeah. There was no... There was no I'm in a no. There was no abuse thrown around the table for them not getting stuff and... At the end, I was like, yeah, you got everything. Well done. <laughs> I walked away like, oh, that was 
a thing. So I'll come and play with you because obviously you'll be crap at it. So. <laughs> it's a very public way of defriending someone, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you ruined one of my favourite games, so I don't go back to my house. I've also I've also called them in clever in, in, in clever in clever. No, I haven't. I've done the opposite of that. I've called them very clever. So there you go. Yeah, well, I think we could all read between the lines. What's your number forty three? <laughs> my number forty three. Stop me wittering, Ronan. Thank you. Is the ancient world? Now I will say the second edition is slightly better, but it's not the most egregious of the Ryan Laucat second edition fix in the first one <laughs> that you'll find. The first one was very good. The second one's just a little bit better. Coming from Red Raven Games, another worker placement game where you are yeah, thematically, you're defending your world against these big monsters that are attacking. But really, it's a worker placement set collection game with a unique scoring mechanism at the end where you're collecting the different sets to score and they, they work in different ways i absolutely loved it it looks stunning this was the thing that made me sort of take note of ryan laucat's artwork which i've been on record many times to say that i absolutely adore the board itself looks like something you can frame and it's one of those that people do come over and go that's amazing and that's a big part of it and it's a very good game and it's my 43 the ancient world when we moved house something happened and something went through the top of my box of the ancient world <gasps> edition. and so there's a hole in it and i pulled it out and i looked at it and uh i, I don't want any justification for this i don't want you to say that i did the right thing i did you know it was a fair peak <laughs> and i looked at it and i said well, it's still playable all the stuff's in there is fine but he brought out the second edition and no one wants to play the first edition anymore and to be honest f him and i threw it in the bin you're a bad person he annoyed me. He's so annoying. <laughs> no, like, reach out, upgrade pack. Oh, I'm sorry. Or, and no one will play the first edition. And you're like... <sighs> Not that much difference, though. Like, it's... Yeah, the second edition... Yeah, but, mate, when you go to people go, isn't there a second edition that made the rules better? And you go, yeah, there is a second edition. They go, oh, I'll wait for that one, thanks, mate. You're going to buy it? No, I spent 60 quid on this one. No, you've got to spend 60 quid on another one. It happened, like, four times. And I'm like, right, that's it. That's it. And then when there was a hole in it, I was like, no. That was my protest against how annoying it. You know, retheme it, take the rule set, change it a little bit, retheme it, and it would be less annoying. Honestly, it would than just like throwing it in your face and going, "Thanks for playtesting my game. Here's the proper edition of it." Ah, yeah, I, know, I get that. I was quite annoyed with uh, Circadians from Shem Phillips. He came up with a second edition of that, and I've got the first edition and. I just couldn't justify buying the game, even though I've got the uh, first edition, and it's it quite annoying because it is a tightened-up version, looks nicer, better components, and yeah, irritating. I get it. I get it. I wouldn't throw it out on the basis of it. That's rock and roll, but <laughs> I do get it. Do you know what? It was very cathartic. Very cathartic. <laughs> I, I know it's a waste of money, but very cathartic. It was worth it. Yeah. So uh, I tell you what, I've I haven't bought any of his games ever since then. So there you go. My own private little protest. Speaking <laughs> of games that have had extra editions. Now, I think, Sean, I'm not sure. I think there have been some adaptations and maybe one or two more editions of my number 42. It's from uh, that company. Uh, is it Cheryl? Sherry? Sherry? Sherry. Yep, Sherry. Yep, there we go. Okay. And I, just confirm for me, were there ever any more editions of Zombicide made? Uh, just a few. Just, <laughs> just, yeah, just, maybe just, I'll look just the eight or nine. <laughs> yeah. 
and and I'll go. Marvel Zombicide? Just yeah. Western Zombicide. Yeah, Marvel Zombicide. Western Zombicide, yep, yep. Yeah, so so I what I've got is the base box of Zombicide. Almost anything I've ever added to it has not been as good as the base box of Zombicide. I've had toxic zombies. They weren't as much fun. I've put in crows. They weren't as much fun. I've put in dogs. Not as much fun. They're just the base game. I played Black Plague or whatever it is. Not as much fun as base Zombicide. The one rule that is better is the shooting into a crowd. Only if you miss do you hit your fellow bystanders rather than hitting them first. That was too harsh of a rule. That is the one change to base Zombicide that I actually liked. I've said it before. I bought that compendium of missions. Yeah, There's like I was going to mention yeah, yeah, a like hundred missions in there, little campaigns and stuff, little things that, that flesh out the characters. You go back to the diner where the roller skating waitress works, or you go with the geezer with slippery. You go back to where he lives and things, and it just gives it a bit of life. And that's all I need. And we've played it loads and loads and loads. We even did a bit of painting all the family really badly of the figures, which is a very rare thing. Rachel and I have played dozens and dozens of games of Zombicide and had a load, a load, a load of fun with it, which puts it at my number forty-two. Be it not overburdened with nonsense, please. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Ronan. I have got the Zombicide, like the two and three uh, season Kickstarters that came after the first one. I did get the Black Plague, didn't enjoy that at all, but I've never broken even into the boxes for the two and three. I think they're still in the shrink. And that's a testament because Zombicide is all the game you need for Zombicide. I can completely agree with you. I can't remember if it's coming up for me but i'm pretty sure it will be at some point lovely good choice well done i'll praise you when you get to that one <laughs> good man good man i look forward to that so number 42 carrying on the karaoke edition of the game pit oh what an atmosphere i love a party, oh, a party with, with, a happy with a happy atmosphere oh won't you take me there there we go. Right, Aquasphere, Stefan Feld. If you're Russ Abbott, does that make me Costello, by the way? <laughs> that makes you Les Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mavis. Right. Uh, Aquasphere. It is a very good Stefan Feld game. It's one of his very best games, in my opinion. You are in an underwater laboratory and you're using robots to program your actions for the round. Loads of ways to score points. It's got that one thing that holds you back. Uh, I can't remember. They're the black diamonds. I can't remember what they actually represent in the game. But it's just a brain-burny, thinky, point salad of a game. Exactly what you'd expect from Stefan Feld, and I love it. My number 42 is Aquasphere. The 83rd best game of all time, Sean. You were so close. <laughs> no, anyway. Uh, I've got that wrong. I've got that wrong. We talked about it over the years that we both thought that this was right at the peak of the blend of mechanisms, obstacles, the ability to get somewhere, but it's difficult. The fact that you feel like you get better at it, you get much better at managing your time. The fact that you can be very clever and you can set up a program with your robots that works. You'll always be able to think your way out of what can look like a hole when you first start playing. It just does that all really, really well without too much piled on top so that you're, you're, you're fighting yourself and fighting the plan you're making not the mechanisms you have to do it via right on the on the cusp of that really tricky and tight I absolutely think Aquasphere is a fantastic game and a good choice awesome okay your final game for today your number 41 Roland 
My sherry Pretty little roly, I adore. Sorry. Such a singing episode, I love it. It's like Buffy. <laughs> it's it's Sherry, you've come up with a with a blinder again, Sean, a reprint that was nice. kickstarted. And the very, very few times I'll say that I kickstarted, I didn't pay for the expansions and I wish I had. Rachel and I, last couple oh, of years, we've been playing it plenty. You really want to play it because it's Project Elite. I mean, you have played it with us. I have played it. I enjoyed it. It was one of the very few real-time games that I genuinely enjoyed. It was a really good game. It sprung to me there that you had actually played it with us. Yeah, I, <laughs> since it was first published with Terrible Components, I have been going on about how good a game it was. I think it was in my top ten of that year, but I couldn't buy it with those miniatures, and that's how bad they were. Imagine for <laughs> So when it came out with better miniatures from Cherie, I was um, <laughs> I was in an R in, whether it's going to be as good as I remembered, so I didn't back for all the expansions and actually just talking about it on the side maybe that was a good thing because you get the best of the game when you just get the base game you never know if the expansions are going to be as good as that or not I've just got the base game we played it loads and we're going to continue playing it and it's one of them that we keep pointing out and going right there's going to be a weekend we're going to dig this out and play four games of this in a row and it's going to happen because it's right there right on top of our of our minds all the time we think about it. if you say to us it's a good game you fancy playing Project Elite will get mentioned all the time it's challenging it's communicating it's making a plan but then no one can be overbearing which would never be an issue playing with me Sean anyway I mean let's not worry about that <laughs> but no one can be overbearing because amongst the plan that you make no one knows what your dice rolls are. Everyone's too busy when it comes to the one minute of real time. And if you say, look, I just didn't roll it. I had to go over there and take this shot and come back. No one can argue with you. You go, all right, if that's what you had to do, that's what you had to do, man. Then we'll work something else out or we'll all die. Either way, it's not easy. It's got plenty of variety. You can find things and sort of load yourself up. You've got special powers. You've got restrictions. Every time it's a different challenge with where the baddies will spawn. There's different sort of boss baddies that will come out every turn or every game. It's just got a lot going on in a manageable rule set. And that's why I love Project Elite. And it's my number 41 game of all time. And Sean, we need to play it more. We do, absolutely. That's what makes this game for me is, yes, you've got the brief bit of craziness, but you plan. You're doing the planning and you know roughly what you're going to do and you know roughly where the aliens are going to go, but not exactly. So you have to be on your toes and there's just little enough of the actual real time thing for me i can i can enjoy it i can get excited but it doesn't overwhelm me because i know and we're going to go back to that planning phase soon so yeah it's it's a good game it's a really good game and if i played it more it, it might even have a chance for my top 100 I, I, I think that much of it so if you played it more it would have been around 41 if you got any sense yeah is that where it would have been no yeah. because what should be at number 41 is vikings from michael kiesling Hansim Gluck and Zeman. It's a well. How would you describe Vikings? So you've got a rondel where you are big hairy people, <laughs> hey. mostly river traders. <laughs> they set up a lot of the things down the river system in the east of Europe. Yeah, yeah. and then sort of they got a bit feisty later and start raiding and stuff. Ah, there you go. Well, there you go. That's Vikings. Yeah. Vikings. The game, however, is all about... oh the game. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry. It's all about building 
islands from and you're taking the islands from a big rondelle and it's a real balance of how much money you have to what you can go ahead and grab so the further you go around the rondelle then the more money it's going to cost but it will rotate slowly back as people take things from it it's then about placing your different meeples of different types onto those islands to score in different ways. Some of them will get you girls, some of them will score you points. And the all-important blue ones that feed you at the end of the game are just so crucial to everything. And the way I always lose the game because I never feed all my people. You've got the ones at the top that block the incoming boats and give you more rewards. It's such a clever game. So many little micro puzzles within a big giant puzzle. I love it. I'm terrible at it. It's a favourite in this house. I talked about Natalie enjoying Anachrony. I'm pretty sure the Vikings was in her top five of all time when we did it as well. She adores this game and I really love it too. My number 41, Vikings. Okay, so let's get something absolutely straight. You're not <laughs> terrible at it. All right, you're not terrible at it. I am. You have never, ever finished behind me in Vikings. So don't try and steal my terrible at Vikings crowd. I, I like to think that I'm not too much of a prideful man, Sean. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't care. I just like to think it. When I have to consider Vikings, and I have to consider why it's not in my top 100, the only excuse I can give is because I'm so bad at it. Like, if I had a chance of winning it sometimes, maybe it'd, like, nudge into my top 100. <laughs> but when you're constantly just beating so bad, you go, this is a really clever game. It's really good. And every round, I'm like, why am I the one stuck paying six for an bit I can't play? It's like, this, there must be another option here. Like, for with a Viking that I can't feed. Like, what? This is How does this happen every single turn? How does it happen every turn? How am I so bad at that game? That is quite bad because you you do have to reach all the time for and spend all your money each round. But I literally every game I play this, I say right. Remember, you big idiot. Feed your people. Feed your people. Get the blue boys in. Get them in. Get the blue boys in. Last round, I'm like, ah, oh, there's no blue boys left. Oh, I haven't fed my people. Oh my god. <sighs> it's so tight in a four player game. It is interesting to see like if, when you get to know it, you go like, hold on. There's five blues come out in the first bit. That means there's like three left for the whole rest of the game or something. You can start like judging the, the range. I can't remember them exactly because we played it a lot ages ago. And then every now and then it comes out. But back when we played it a lot ages ago, you would be able to go and go like, right, that's that's almost all the yellows done. If I don't take a yellow now to get those extra points, then there's none in the last round. And you could, you could see it because there's ratios. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an f- absolutely fabulous, fabulous game. It's my own idiocy that keeps out of my top 100. <laughs> well, there you go. So, the number 3 million and 4 and 3 million and 5 <laughs> at Vikings in the world rankings. <laughs> Quake, people. Quake. <laughs> right. Next time up, Sean, I'll be back. I might be having a little guest host to chat about some games we're playing together we'll see how that goes or it might just be me following that you and me can be back and chat about some gaming and eventually in a few weeks time we'll be on to our number 40 to 31 let's not get this out of the way let's just spin it out slowly, <laughs> as we said <laughs> why ruin, ruin the habit of a lifetime let's just eat it out as slowly as we can indeed so thank you everyone for joining us and sean thank you very much and ronan thank you very much and Sean, see us out. As always, we are proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there for all your gaming goodness galore. 
If you wish to find us on social media, we have an Instagram page, we have a Facebook page, but uh, Twitter, probably where we're most active, kind of, maybe, depending on how Elon Musk is behaving himself. And if you want to contact us, we are thegamepitpodcast.gmail.com. Please do contact us, ask us questions. Happy to have some banter with you, whatever. And a good place for doing that is on our board game, Geek Guild. So pop along there as well. And it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next time on The Game Pit. Music by Aaron. Music boy, boy, boy. Episode boy. boy, boy. boy, boy.